When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome into Best on the Board. Michael Beller, Dan Santaramita, and Ari Wasserman here with you on a Thursday that kicks off both college football week three and NFL week two here tonight. Guys, how's it going? Just living the dream, man. I, I, we're just trying to get some winners out there. That's uh, uh, I don't know what it's like uh-huh. for you guys, but during these these weeks, it's just like they go so quickly. You know, every Thursday just pops mm-hmm. up, and you have four or five glorious days filled with football, and <laughs> you have to suffer through Tuesday and Wednesday, and then and then now we're back. So it feels good. Yeah, and the struggle to get the winners out is always real. <laughs> <laughs> It absolutely is. Let's uh, let's take a look back at last week. Ari, a one and one week. Penn State over Ball State, a winner. Ohio State over Oregon, laying the 14 and a half, a loser. And the Buckeyes, of course, getting upset by Oregon. Dan, I'm sorry to report an 0 and 2 week for you. Texas minus 7 against Arkansas. UAB, Georgia under 45 and a half. Neither of those ones coming through. So I'll carry the weight for the show, guys. Fine. I'll do it. Put it on my back. No big deal. 2-0 for me. CeeDee Lamb did go over his 62.5 yard yardage prop. Antonio Brown, anytime TD. That came through for us in the first half as well. On the season, Ari sitting at 2-2. Two and two, Dan at 1-3. and three, And I am at 2-1. and one. Enough of that. Enough resting on our laurels. Let's look ahead to college football week three, NFL week two. We got two picks apiece on this episode of Best on the Board. And Ari, we are going to start with you, a battle between Big 12 and Big 10. This week used to be a conference game, of course, although it hasn't been for a while. Oklahoma and Nebraska getting together. Oklahoma laying 22 and a half. Who you got and why? I see... uh... Oklahoma 63 to 14 win here. Like, am I crazy? I I don't know. Uh, It hasn't been that long since Nebraska lost to Illinois in week one. I don't know if you believe that a program can fix their problems in personnel in two weeks. Oklahoma just had a running clock in the fourth quarter of their last game, granted against uh, a team that was very much overmatched, but still, you know, seems to be humming at the right direction. The offensive skill talent on, uh, Oklahoma is just out of this world. I don't think that Nebraska can cover anybody on that team. Kennedy Brooks is one of the best runners in the Big 12 and maybe in college football. And I just don't know if, you know, you think that Adrian Martinez, who is pretty much a pick-your-adventure type of quarterback every week, has enough to to score enough to keep this game within 22 points. I know that spread actually seemed a little bit low to me. If I if I were to pick the spread, it might have been in the 26-27 point range. So, like, to me, this one really jumped out. So I, I don't want to disagree with that because I think there's absolutely a chance that Oklahoma could just run it up. And if they, if ever there was a game where they're going to be motivated to against an old Big 8, Big 12 rival, like I think there's some people in that program that are going to want them to crush Nebraska. So I think that's in your favor. I, I also think Nebraska's probably played about as well as they've played in the Scott Frost era in the last two weeks. I know that's a very low bar, but 
holding teams in single digits. They were, what, 28-3 against Buffalo. I think they're playing a little bit better. They're playing hard. I wouldn't touch this one. This is not something I would pick, uh, but I, I don't think it's as obvious as you do, even though obviously there's a ton of logic to why Oklahoma should should run this game easily. Yeah, I just try to make my own spreads before I look at them, and mm-hmm. my spread was wider for this game than it was for any other game. Like I, I think I was like a five or six point uh, difference between what I thought it should be and what it was. So, you know, put this in – and I know it's a rivalry game, or it used to be. I know it's kind of a weird, you know, spot for Nebraska. And just like I try to look at it, too, of just what do we think about these teams coming into the year? And, you know, everybody thought it was possible that Nebraska could have a bounce back year or uh, an emergency year under Scott Frost. And still this game was completely dismissed as anything that, that Nebraska could compete in. And it just like I'm not going to get fooled by singles-digit scores by, what was it, Fordham and Buffalo? (laughs) A Buffalo team that lost a lot? Okay. I mean, you know, it's all kind of key into my next pick when we get to it, but just like fake good wins in college football are like (laughs) whatever. I don't, you know, go do it against somebody good, and then I'll think you're playing well. Uh And it makes it hard to judge these teams in just a couple of weeks into the season because of the – Total disparity, not always, but often the disparity in quality of opponent. And you were seeing that right here, and you see that in a lot of games in week three. And as we get a little bit more data, and especially once we get in the conference play, that starts to even out. But it makes these uh, early games, especially these early non-conference games, very hard to judge. Ari, however, on Oklahoma, 22.5 point favorites at home against Nebraska. Dan, we're going to get to your first pick here. We are looking at Virginia Tech at West Virginia. West Virginia favored in this one uh, by three points. You've been snake bitten by being against Virginia Tech earlier in the season. So this week, going to ride with the Hokies. This one just feels a little weird to me. If Ari's talking about making his own line, I feel like this is more of a pick which is not a huge advantage, maybe plus three versus a pick But I, I just, I, West Virginia gave up 500 yards to Maryland. And I'm just obsessed with that stat. Like you, It's just so bizarre to me. That uh, I know Virginia Tech is a weird weekday win against North Carolina, weekday home games start the season. Like you got the big crowd, and and that was kind of a strange, like low scoring 17 to 10 game. But I just can't get over. I know West Virginia had four turnovers against Maryland, but they give 500 yards of offense to Maryland. I, I just I can't see West Virginia as a good team. Like what what game? Like to are your point about opponents. What what is the game you'd rather evaluate West Virginia on when they give up 95 yards to Long Island? Like, can you guys even name Long Island's nickname? Like, do you even know what their nickname is? Like, they're the Sharks. I didn't know that until a day ago, right? But but you give up 500 yards to Maryland. That's when I'm like, wait, Maryland? Maryland's not good, right? They're not even, like, decent. So, I don't know. I, I'm a little um, confused about West Virginia as a favorite here. I understand West Virginia is at home. And Virginia Tech is probably getting a little overrated based on the North Carolina win. That was a little strange, but I just don't see West Virginia as that quality of an opponent right now. Yeah, the one thing that is interesting, because Maryland uh, isn't a very good team, or hasn't been historically, but there there, um, is some talent on the offense there. I mean, they've they've got uh, Tulia Tagovailoa, who's Tua's younger brother, who's got a pretty nice ball. Tayon Fleet Davis is their running back who, you know, I think is going to be a draft pick. And then when you look at like Rakim Jarrett, who was a five-star prospect, you know, Mike Loxley's put some 
uh, top-level talent on Maryland's roster. Now, not enough to go beat Ohio State or something, but certainly enough to have an explosive offense. So I understand what you're saying there, but also I think Maryland is sneaky talented on the offensive side of the ball. So just keep that into consideration as well. Put some NFL guys into the league too, right? Stephon Diggs and DJ Moore, the ones who obviously jump out at us in recent years. But even you want to go down to Ty Johnson, who uh, looked pretty good during his days in Maryland, Anthony McFarland. There are some skill players from Maryland who have made it into the NFL and made some waves in the NFL, especially when you're talking about Stephon Diggs and DJ Moore. But uh, not sure if that's enough to want to say, yeah, West Virginia, 500 yards allowed. We can ex- we can excuse that. So, uh, Dan, not going to Here's one more thing I want to say, if you don't Tech. mind, before we move on. Yeah, yeah. yeah the yeah, thing yeah, that was in, super in. impressive to me about Virginia Tech against North Carolina was they kicked the Tar Heels' butt on the, on the lines. And I was all over the North Carolina game, if you guys remember. And I was like, North Carolina, North Carolina on this. And Virginia Tech, and I don't know if it was just the home opener or enter Sandman fans back in the stadium for the first time in over a year. But they mauled North Carolina physically. And to me, you know, skill position players and finesse players and, you know, a quarterback with a nice ball, that's all great stuff. But if you get your butts kicked in the trenches, you're not going to cover the spread. You're not going to win. And to me, I'm very curious to see if Virginia Tech can duplicate that physical performance. And if they do, I'm on the same side as Dan. All right, let's get into uh, my first play of the day, and I'm going to take us over into the NFL world. Of course, week two of the NFL kicks off today with Washington hosting the Giants. Uh, Washington laying three and a half here. I really like Washington, you guys. I was on this earlier in the week, and I'm just going to keep on doubling down on it because I think there's a great mismatch here. Uh, again, well, let's get right back into the trenches, right? Uh, we know that that Giants offensive line was coming into the season. With issues, they didn't even have their starting five set until about 72 hours before that game against the Broncos last week. And then the Broncos predictably uh, made life hell for Daniel Jones. You still have those line issues. You have a team traveling as the road team, as a road dog in a short week, going to Washington. Washington's been at home since the season started. They played at home against the Chargers last week. They get to stay home for this one. And I look at what Denver was able to do and what they were, the the, the pressure they were able to bring to bear on Daniel Jones. And I see a team in Washington with Chase Young, Montez Sweat, and the rest of that front seven who should be able to do something very similar, if not identical, if not even better than what Denver did last week. So again, like I said with the Giants last week against the Broncos, I'm just wondering where they score. How do they get consistent drives going? How do they get any sort of offensive rhythm going? I think it's a stretch to expect Saquon Barkley to suddenly be closer to 100% in a short week when he wasn't 100% last week. I think we're looking at more week three, week four before we see the Saquon that we're used to seeing. So I just think that this is a Giants offense that once again is really looking at a very, very tough test in Washington. And I really don't see Taylor Heineke as being that significant a downgrade from Ryan Fitzpatrick. This actually opened up at four and a half. And then when we got the word on Ryan Fitzpatrick's injury, it came down to uh, three and a half. And I, I just don't think that that is really an appropriate reaction to the quarterback change. Taylor Heineke knows this offense. He's been in this system. He looked very good in his first start last year in the playoffs against the Buccaneers. He looked good in replacing uh, Fitzpatrick last week in that tough spot against the Chargers. So I really think that this should be a spot where Washington, I don't know if I'm going to say rolls. I don't know if this is a 13 or 14 point victory, but getting beyond the number, covering the three and a half, I feel good about that. I'm going to back Washington. Uh, either you guys want to jump in here and uh, make a, just pat me on the back, make a counter argument. I'll just say that got. last week I didn't tail the CD Lamb pick and I was watching the game. And I think, <laughs> I think he hit that. Did he hit the number in the second quarter? 
I think he hit it. He, he got very close. He hit it like early, early. And I was just quarter. like, but it was I, like a, it was basically a lock in the second quarter that he was. Yeah, get. yeah. I mean, I would bet on uh, high school water polo if I knew it was going to be a winner. So like, <laughs> I, I just like, uh, you know, I'm I'm going to tell you again. I'm going to give you a second chance here. Uh, give you give you're giving I'm yourself giving a second, chance. A second I was, chance. That's I, what I meant. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, like, just don't let me down, okay? <laughs> All right, I'll do my best, and I've got another pick for you uh, in this one a little bit later as well. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, guys. Second pick, a piece for the two of you. And Ari, we're going to come back to you first. You hinted at this one a little bit. Not going to overreact too much. You're uh, getting back on this Buckeye bandwagon at minus 24 and a half against Tulsa this week. Have you guys ever seen that meme? Of like that tape where they uh, there's a it's an infomercial and there's a problem and it's a water tube and the water's coming out of the hole and then somebody slaps the tape on the hole and plugs the problem. Yeah, like a like a, like a flex. Yes, yes. Have you like seen that? that infomercial? But they make a meme about <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. and it's like Ohio State's defense is the cylinder of water leaking. And the flex yeah. tape is Tulsa, and I'm going to slam it on that problem, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to fix the problem in a week. Listen, in my 10 years of covering Ohio State, they've shown issues at times, and earlier on in, in, in the season even, when they won the national title in 2014, they lost to Virginia Tech in week two, and everybody thought their season was over, and they turned out to win the national championship. Now, I'm not comparing this team to the national championship team. This team is deeply flawed. Um, it has some defensive issues, both schematically and with personnel, especially after their safety, Josh Proctor, got injured. But there's no way that Ohio State has made people forget their issues more than beating up on overmatched opponents. And I know that Tulsa just played Oklahoma State pretty closely, but like, they're not good enough to play with Ohio State. And it's just like, I wanted to lay 14 points against Oregon last week. And it's like now Ohio State's returning home and playing a team that that uh, can't physically match up and we're just going to overreact to the previous week. And I don't, maybe I'm stepping in, a, in an Ohio State trap for the second week in a row, but this spread to me is way lower than it should be. And, you know, it's one of those things where Ohio State fans will leave the stadium after a 59 to you know, 20 win and go, wow, everything's okay. And it's just like, it's just going to be a fake mask for a week until they end up playing a good team in a month. Um, but to me, I'll take Ohio State minus 24 any day of the week in this situation. 24 and a half even, maybe by the hook to make yourself feel better. But like, I don't know if Tulsa is going to stop Ohio State's defense from scoring 55, 60 points in this game. <laughs> The 63 to 14 for both your picks then. <laughs> I think that, well, I mean, they're, they're large spread, so I've got to figure out yeah. a score to get there somewhere. But, like, I think Ohio State's going to score at least 50 on this. Yeah, this seems like a typical mad-at-the-world game where they just come back and just crush them because <laughs> they, they're trying to prove a point, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, going to be one that uh, we expect Ohio State to. It's again, Maybe it's a little bit of a bonus, like too. I'll we'll probably call the over on this one as well. I mean, the over 61 yeah. and... To me, I think Ohio State yeah, might score can, that on their own. 
Yeah, definitely one of those spots. Similar to what we saw, unfortunately, with uh, Dan's under on Georgia <sighs> and uh, UAB last week. Something that you warned us about, Ari, that maybe Georgia can hit the over on their own, even if you're right about the defensive side of the uh, of the game. And that ultimately is what ended up happening. Dan, here's a rebound spot for you as well. A get right spot. There's really no better way to get right than by fading Indiana, <laughs> is there? Going back to the well, you mentioned the one and three. Well, fading Indiana was the one. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I just... I haven't seen anything out of this Indiana team. Obviously, that Iowa game was a total disaster, but losing by 28 was almost a little random because they're down 14 nothing in two minutes, so they may not be quite that bad. But still, I think Cincinnati only giving four points in Indiana, which is not a particularly intimidating road environment to play in. And that fan base is the excitement for that season went away in three minutes in that Iowa game. So, um, <laughs> look, I, I think Ritter is imperfect quarterback for Cincinnati. He's got the deep ball. I think the running game has been good. And I think Indiana just can't get a passing game going. Penix threw for, uh, I mean, he's 14 for 31 with three picks against Iowa and then threw for 68 yards uh, on 16 attempts against Idaho. So he may not even be all the way right, uh, which would concern me from an Indiana perspective. Uh, I know Cincinnati was was tied at half against Murray State, but it was basically two three and outs. And then the rest of the game, their offense was fine. They had a bunch of touchdowns, a missed field goal, one turnover the rest of the game. It was all touchdowns. So it was two bad drives that made everyone kind of freak out. Oh, they're only tied at a half against Murray State. They ended up winning the game 42-7. to I just don't see Indiana as – I see Indiana as like a 6-6 a six and six team this year, and Cincinnati's top 10. I think minus four seems a little small to me. Yeah, I'm going to do you one better. And I think I said this to you guys in Ooh. the – I think they're going to beat Notre Dame next week. I think Cincinnati's going to cover the spread, and I think they're going to go on and beat Notre Dame next week. And I think that they might have, you know, it's a shame for them that Indiana uh, already lost a game uh, pretty brutally to Iowa, but I would have picked Cincinnati in the spot even if Indiana were to have beaten Iowa. And I think that they might have actually been dogs. And like I was hoping all year that I was going to get Cincinnati in the dog spot uh, <laughs> even before the season started because, you know, I, I've, I predicted that Cincinnati was going to beat both Notre Dame and, and Indiana before the year's over. So, uh, like, lay four on the road here. I think Cincinnati's a top-10 team. I think Desmond Ritter is one of the most exciting players in college football. I trust Luke Fickle to design the defense to contain them, and I do think that fading Indiana is a smart pick because I didn't believe that they were able to duplicate the season they had last year, and I like love Tom Allen. I think people love him. His his uh, everybody love everybody mentality is is really great to watch, and it, it makes you feel good. But Indiana, who's recruited better in this 2022 cycle, I believe will get better as the years go on. I just didn't know if I bought them being a nine win team the year after having the best uh, season in program history, and now they're playing a legitimate top ten team this week. Definitely a very tough spot for the home team. And really, I mean, you know, it's not easy to go and beat, you know, what's still a you know semi-quality opponent at the very least in Indiana going on the road and doing that. But a good reason to believe in Cincinnati laying the four in Bloomington this weekend. All right, all right, here's one more for you. This is another prop. I was good on props last week. Do it all on props. Get the here's pen one out. more. Logan Thomas, we are going over the 48 and a half mark for him on receiving yards. I love this spot. Once again, Curtis Samuel, we know on IR with that groin injury, so he's not going to be out there. Logan Thomas is easily, no question about it, the number two pass catcher in this Washington offense behind 
Terry McLaurin. And I think he sails past this number. The Giants, you know, this is, uh, I host our fantasy football podcast as well. Be sure to check out the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. The Giants are a team that we've been picking on with tight ends for a couple of years now. They just can't seem to get that linebacker mix right. And it picked up right away in week one. You saw the Broncos uh, get Noah Fant going for six catches and 62 yards. Albert O went for uh, just three catches, but turned one of those into a touchdown, 16 yards. That's 78 yards, nine catches, and a score from Denver tight ends against the Giants last week. And then you go to Logan Thomas, the role he plays in Washington's offense, and already a little bit of a rapport with Taylor Heineke last year in that one and a half games, including the playoff game against Tampa, uh, 13 targets, 10 catches and 145 yards for Logan Thomas. So I really think that this is a, a, a an easy over here. I think the 48 and a half is way, way, way too low on Logan Thomas. I think he gets into the sixties in this game. And again, I really think that without Curtis Samuel, and Terry McLaurin being the clear alpha in this offense, it's hard for me to imagine a game in which Logan Thomas doesn't get six or seven targets. I think the first time we see him south of that number is when Curtis Samuel's back in the offense for Washington. And even then, Logan Thomas, a very important part of this Washington offense. So I think this one goes comfortably over. Love Logan Thomas. Really, there's no Logan Thomas prop I don't like tonight and I think he gets over this number over four and a half uh, receptions I think anytime touchdown is not a bad bet to make with him as well he's going to play a big big role for Washington tonight I'm in I'm in I'm I'm riding it yeah (laughs) dude you're very convincing Michael let's do it man (laughs) (laughs) let's do this man i'm feeling good i'm feeling very good about uh, about the washington side of my car's getting uh, serviced right now and they offer you know (laughs) how there's a car shortage uh Uh, for whatever reason i guess there's not enough microchips to make cars they offered me when i went to go get i had to get new brakes they offered me money for my car at the dealership i'm taking the money (laughs) logan thomas New car. <laughs> Plan? <laughs> New better car. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it, Logan. I absolutely, absolutely love that one. I'll just give you the disclaimer, though, right? If uh, if it's, if it's the pick ends up being right, I will take uh, all the kudos you want to throw me. If the pick ends up being wrong, you've got your own brain and your own money, and you decided ultimately <laughs> to go in that direction. That's going to do it for this episode of Best on the Board. Thanks again uh, for joining us, whether you're on YouTube or just listening to the podcast. Best on the Board returns on Friday. Me and Casey Joyner taking a deeper look at the NFL Week 2 lines. For Dan Santaramita, Ari Wasserman, I'm Michael Beller. Good luck tonight. Happy betting. We'll talk to you soon.